Welcome to the Temple Baptist Church Podcast, coming to you from Swan River, Manitoba, Canada. This week, we join Pastor Neil Effa as he preaches from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, and Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, in part 5 of a sermon series called Together, with this message from February 16th titled, Jesus is Lord. colony where the Roman way was on display. Imperial Rome declared the emperor to be Lord and God who bought peace through Roman victory. In the original Greek, the term Lord can mean simply sir as a polite and slightly exalted way of referring to another human being, or it can refer to a master of many slaves or servants. However, neither of these meanings were in mind when Rome applied the title Lord to the emperor. Instead, the term Lord signified divinity when used of Caesar. Roman emperors claimed to be divine and were referred to as son of God, deified one, savior of the world, and were addressed as Lord. However, the message Paul declared in the city of Philippi was Jesus is Lord. He wasn't just presenting another God to add to the deities of the Roman pantheon. He was declaring Jesus as absolute supreme and sovereign ruler. And as a result, there was a clash with the message of Rome and with the message of Paul. Dr. John Phillips writes in the days of the Roman empire, a citizen had to offer a pinch of incense on a pagan altar as a token of his loyalty to the Caesar cult. That was all just a pinch of salt. Christians refused to do it and perished by the thousands for their loyalty to Christ. History tells us at the age of 86, Polycarp, the second century Bishop of Smyrna and disciple of the apostle John, was brought to the Roman authorities in order to confess that Caesar is Lord. Though doing so would have saved his life, Polycarp refused and was murdered, inspiring others to remain faithful. He knew he could not call Caesar Lord without violating the most basic tenet of the faith, that there is only one Lord. The title Lord was used of Jesus in the highest possible sense throughout the New Testament. It conveyed the idea of the, of his absolute sovereignty. The term Lord is a majestic title conveying Jesus authority and his divine power. So in Philippians chapter two, verses five to 11, Paul is emphasizing that Jesus perfect obedience followed by his death for sin and his resurrection reveals all the more clearly that he is indeed worthy to be Lord of all. In fact, in Romans chapter 14, verses eight and nine, Paul makes it clear that Lordship was at the very heart of Jesus redemptive work on the cross. Listen to this. Paul wrote, if we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this purpose to be Lord, both of the living and the dead. 
Paul is talking about the supreme authority, the divine power of Jesus Christ. And he said that he died and rose for this purpose to be Lord, both of the living and of the dead. Roger Wilmore in an article titled the Lordship of Jesus Christ quoted RG Lee, who said the transcendence of the name of Jesus and his everlasting glory depend upon the work accomplished at the place called Calvary and at the open grave. It is because of that, dear friends, that he stands out today, the first begotten from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. His name shall endure forever. When the names of earth's benefactors are no more remembered, when the achievements of science are no longer of value, when the guesses of philosophers are seen to be in vain, when time shall be no more. Multitudes in praise of him and gratitude for salvation through his name will still sing the song of Moses and of the lamb of enduring name. When the Caesars and Charlemagne, the Napoleons and Wellingtons and their so-called splendid victories are forgotten. The multitudinous trophies of his saving power in enjoyment of his endless fruits of his blood bought victories will sing the praises of his peerless name. There never was a name like the name of Jesus. So representative of sacrificial love at its best. And someday every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And so as Paul writes about the Lordship of Jesus Christ, he has given to him that majestic title conveying his power, his authority, his sovereignty. If Jesus then possesses such divine sovereignty and absolute power, what are the implications for your life and for my life? For Jesus to be Lord of your life and my life means that he is a ruler. He's a boss. He's a master of our entire being. He cannot be Lord of a part of our life. He must be given control of our entire life, the whole life. When thinking about the whole life of a person, we must think of the various parts that make up a person. As Paul came to the close of his first epistle to the Thessalonians, he wrote, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Paul makes it plain that the whole person is made up of spirit, soul, and body. In other words, a person has an inner an unseen to the natural eye private life. And he has an outer visible and public life that is seen and heard by those with whom he comes in contact day by day. And what Paul is telling us is that Jesus desires to be the Lord of the seen and the unseen, the visible and the invisible, the private and the public aspects of our life. He wants to be Lord of our spiritual life and of our physical life the inner sanctuary, the spirit and the soul contains a mind, the emotion, the will. It is in our spirit and soul that we think we feel, we choose, we decide, we dream, we plan battles are fought and won or lost on the battleground of our private life. 
And it's for this reason, the writer of Proverbs says, guard your heart above all else for determines the course of your life. You and I cannot underestimate the importance of our private life. Although more attention is often given to the physical body, our true spiritual health is determined by the soul and the spirit, not the body. Because the reality is that the outer life is the expression of the inner life. The outer life involves our eyes, our ears, our lips, our hands, our feet, our entire body. Our public life is expressed by what we see, what we say, what we hear, where we go and what we do. But it's informed by our inner life, our private life. We need to see the public life in the context of home life, the workplace, the classroom, the neighborhood. We need to see it in its relationship with friends and family, with with work colleagues, neighbors, and classmates. We need to see it in the attitude toward possessions, obligations, and responsibilities, and the use of our time and resources. But always understanding that these things are influenced by the inner life, the private life. And so all of this begs the question, is Jesus Lord of your thoughts? Is Jesus Lord of your emotions? Is he Lord of your speech, of your relationships, of your possessions? Is Jesus Christ Lord of your private life and public life? Is Jesus Christ Lord of your entire being? It is essential to bring every area of our lives under the sovereign rule and reign of Jesus. There should be no rivalry to his throne in our life. For as S.M. Zwiener once said, unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And all of this then leads to a very important question. What ought to be our response to the Lord Jesus Christ? The answer to that question becomes a response, the application to what we have been discussing thus far. Responding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ requires a number of actions on our part. First, absolute and total surrender to the sovereign rule and reign of Jesus is essential. We must yield our life to him. This involves taking our hands off the controls of our life and allowing him to be in control. Now, before we go any further, let me remind you of this important truth. You and I do not make Jesus Lord of our lives. He is already Lord. Rather, we submit to his lordship and we surrender to his sovereign rule and ownership because he is Lord of lords. Failing to do so will result in defeat. It will result in discouragement, despair, because it's impossible for us to live a victorious Christian life without giving Jesus his rightful place in our life. Dr. Adrian Rogers once said, one who does not have Jesus as Lord of his life cannot call himself a Christian. Salvation is yielding to the Lordship of Christ. This means more than saying the right words. We do not take Christ as savior. We can only take him as Lord and savior. In the same way, when people marry, the I do signifies their acceptance of a lawfully wedded husband and wife. 
He illustrated by saying, when I married, I did not take Joyce as housekeeper or as anything. I took Joyce, all of her. And we take Jesus, all of him. Master, Lord, mediator, Jesus, Messiah, Christ. He goes on to say, we may not fully understand all that the concept of marriage entails. And we may spend the rest of this life discovering it. But we are binding ourselves, committing and surrendering ourselves to that bond. We don't say, I do with fingers crossed behind our backs. We don't accept Jesus with any reservations. He surrendered on Calvary without reservation. We will not have what he gives until we accept who he is. He is Lord. He died for us. And that is a redeeming claim of his lordship. An illustration of total surrender comes from the life of F.B. Meyer, a Baptist preacher and pastor of Christ Church in the heart of London in the 19th century. In the midst of a successful ministry, F.B. Meyer confessed that something was lacking in his life and ministry. And J.H. Jowett recounts the following story. He writes, Dr. Meyer has told us that his early Christian life was marred and his ministry paralyzed just because he had kept back one thing from the bunch of keys he had given to the Lord. Every key save one. The key of one room was kept for personal use and the Lord shut out. The effect of the incomplete consecration was found in lack of power, lack of assurance, lack of joy and peace. The joy of the Lord begins when we hand over the last key. We sit with Christ on his throne as soon as we have surrendered our crowns and made him sole and only ruler of our life and its possessions. F.B. Meyer experienced the lordship of Jesus Christ when he handed over the last key to his life. He had kept back the the key to one room in his life and it brought great defeat and despair. And so that begs the question, have we yielded keys to every room in our life? Does he have the key to every room in our private life? Does he have the key to every room in our physical and public life? Or is there a room marked private? Keep out. If so, we must be willing to surrender that key to the Lord as well. In addition to absolute surrender, there must also be an acknowledgement of his ownership. Paul addressed the subject of ownership in first Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 and 20. He writes, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. We are his purchased possession. When a person yields to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, he or she acknowledges his ownership and gives up their personal rights. And so there's absolute surrender, the acknowledgement of his ownership, but there's also unreserved obedience. If he is Lord of our life, we are going to do what he tells us to do. Jesus raised an important question during his earthly ministry. He asked, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? That's a probing question. And one that we must reflect on. Are we doing what Jesus has instructed us to do? 
Are we doing it immediately? And in the way in which he wants us to carry it out. Are we obeying him? Is our obedience up to date? Or are we lagging behind? And then the final thing, our response. Our response to the Lordship of Jesus Christ involves willing service. There must be a time in our life when we, like the prophet Isaiah, are willing to say, here am I, send me. Someone described our attitude towards service for God in this way. Anywhere, anytime, any cost. The Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives involves our willingness to go where he sends us, when he sends us, regardless the cost. And again, can you and I honestly say, anywhere, Lord, anytime, Lord, any cost, Lord. At the outset, I said that the Lordship of Jesus Christ is an essential and significant biblical truth. And the reason is this. When the Lordship of Jesus is a settled issue in the Christian's life and in his church, all other issues are settled. When Jesus is Lord of a person's life, he will fulfill his duties, his obligations, responsibilities with joy. Witnessing and soul winning, stewardship of time, talent, and treasure, worship and service will flow from one's life in joyful gratitude and praise to our Savior and to our Lord, Jesus Christ. And so when you come back to Paul's exhortation regarding maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, we can conclude that when members in the body of Christ are submitting to the Lordship of Jesus, the unity of the spirit will be maintained. You see, a day is coming when every person who has ever lived will bow and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is a King of Kings and that he is the Lord of Lords. That's a guarantee. It will happen. However, for you and me as Jesus followers, that great confession should be an everyday reality. We should live moment by moment in faithful submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. With a hymn writer, Adelaide Pollard, we need to say, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only always living in me. As we conclude this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. So would you please stand? And I want you to repeat with me the powerful declaration made by the apostle Paul in Philippians chapter two, verses nine to 11 together with one voice and one heart. Let us declare verbally and publicly the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. We thank you, Father, for his 
divine power, his sovereignty, his authority, his rule, and his reign. And I pray that we, as your children, would daily surrender to his lordship, acknowledging that his ownership, acknowledging that he is Lord, and that our way to peace, to joy, to fulfillment is through submission and surrender. I pray, Father, that if there is a key that we're holding back from our life to a room in our life, that even now your spirit would convict us of that. Father, that your spirit would stir within us and remind us of what we are doing, of what we are holding back. And even now we'd hand that over to you. That we would take down that sign that says private, no entrance. That where we have shut you out and give you access so that you could purify our lives, so that you could empower our lives through your spirit. Father, may this declaration, Jesus is Lord, be an everyday reality as we work, as we play, as we associate, as we fellowship with one another. May they see the Lordship of Jesus Christ within us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope we were able to provide wisdom and insight in your faith journey. If you would like to connect with us, you are welcome to join our service every Sunday morning at 1030. For more information, visit us at tbcswanriver.com. And if you would like to find more episodes of our podcast, we are also available at anchor.fm slash Temple Baptist Church or on your favorite podcast app.